This is an ABC News special. The death of George Floyd. The Derek Chauvin trial. I can't breathe. He's not responsive right now, bro. You're definitely a bum, bro. Former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin has been charged by the Hennepin County Attorney's Office with murder and with manslaughter. This case is not about split-second decision-making. In 9 minutes and 29 seconds, there are 479 seconds, not a split-second amount. Mr. Floyd died of a cardiac arrhythmia that occurred as a result of hypertension, his coronary disease, the ingestion of methamphetamine and fentanyl, and the adrenaline throwing, flowing through his body. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to count one, unintentional second-degree murder while committing a felony, find the defendant guilty. Here is ABC News correspondent Aaron Katursky. Good evening. The killing of George Floyd sparked a rage 11 months ago that ignited a movement for justice. And today in Minneapolis, justice was delivered. A jury in Hennepin County convicted former police officer Derek Chauvin of all three counts he faced, agreeing with prosecutors George Floyd was murdered. Floyd's brother said today, we can breathe again. And Floyd's attorney, Benjamin Crump, said America is a better country because of the conviction. We are about to hear from the White House from President Biden and Vice President Harris, who paused their schedules in order to watch the verdict come in. The verdict was reached after about 10 hours of deliberations over two days. The jury apparently confident in its decision, asking for no readbacks of testimony, no questions about the law. President Biden stepping to the podium now at the White House, his first reaction publicly to the death of George Floyd and the conviction now of Derek Chauvin. Good the evening. vice president first. First, I want to thank the jury for their service. And I want to thank Mr. Floyd's family for your steadfastness. Today, we feel a sigh of relief. Still, it cannot take away the pain. A measure of justice isn't the same as equal justice. This verdict brings us a step closer, and the fact is, we still have work to do. We still must reform the system. Last summer, together with Senator Cory Booker and Representative Karen Bass, I introduced the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. This bill would hold law enforcement accountable and help build trust between law enforcement and our communities. This bill is part of George Floyd's legacy. The President and I will continue to urge the Senate to pass this legislation, not as a panacea for every problem, but as a start. This work is long overdue. America has a long history of systemic racism. Black Americans, and black men in particular, have been treated throughout the course of our history as less than human. Black men are fathers, and brothers, and sons, and uncles, and grandfathers, and friends, and neighbors. Their lives must be valued in our education system, in our healthcare system, in our housing system, in our economic system, 
in our criminal justice system, in our nation, full stop. Because of smartphones, so many Americans have now seen the racial injustice that black Americans have known for generations, the racial injustice that we have fought for generations, that my parents protested in the 1960s, that millions of us, Americans of every race, protested last summer. Here's the truth about racial injustice. It is not just a black America problem or a people of color problem. It is a problem for every American. It is keeping us from fulfilling the promise of liberty and justice for all. And it is holding our nation back from realizing our full potential. We are all a part of George Floyd's legacy. And our job now is to honor it and to honor him. Thank you. And now it is my great honor to introduce the President of the United States, Joe Biden. Today, a jury in Minnesota found former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin guilty on all counts in the murder of George Floyd last May. It was a murder in the full light of day, and it ripped the blinders off for the whole world to see the systemic racism the Vice President just referred to. The systemic racism is a stain on our nation's soul. <clears throat> the knee on the neck of justice for black Americans. Profound fear and trauma. The pain, the exhaustion that black and brown Americans experience every single day. The murder of George Floyd launched a summer of protest we hadn't seen since the civil rights era in the 60s. Protests that unified people of every race and generation in peace and with purpose to say enough, enough, enough of the senseless killings. Today, today's verdict is a step forward. I just spoke with the governor of Minnesota, who thanked me for the close work with his team. And I also spoke with George Floyd's family again. Remarkable family of extraordinary courage. Nothing can ever bring their brother, their father, back. But this can be a giant step forward in the march toward justice in America. Let's also be clear that such a verdict is also much too rare. For so many people, it seems like it took a unique and extraordinary convergence of factors. A brave young woman with a smartphone camera, a crowd that was traumatized, traumatized witnesses, a murder that lasts almost 10 minutes in broad daylight for ultimately the whole world to see, 
officers standing up and testifying against a fellow officer instead of just closing ranks, which should be commended. A jury who heard the evidence carried out their civic duty in the midst of an extraordinary moment under extraordinary pressure. For so many, it feels like it took all of that for the judicial system to deliver a just, just basic accountability. We saw how traumatic and exhausting just watching the trial was for so many people. Think about it, those of you who are listening. Think about how traumatic it was for you. You weren't there. You didn't know any of the people. But it was difficult, especially for the witnesses who had to relive that day. It's a trauma. On top of the fear so many people of color live with every day when they go to sleep at night and pray for the safety of themselves and their loved ones. Again, as we saw in this trial from the fellow police officers who testified, most men and women who wear the badge serve their communities honorably. But those few who fail to meet that standard must be held accountable, and they were today. One was. No one should be above the law. And today's verdict sends that message. But it's not enough. We can't stop here. In order to deliver real change and reform, we can and we must do more to reduce the likelihood that tragedies like this will ever happen and occur again. To ensure that black and brown people, or anyone, so they don't fear the interactions with law enforcement, that they don't have to wake up knowing that they can lose their very life in the course of just living their life. They don't have to worry about whether their sons or daughters will come home after a grocery store run, or just walking down the street, or driving their car, or playing in the park, or just sleeping at home. And this takes acknowledging and confronting, head-on, systemic racism and the racial disparities that exist in policing and in our criminal justice system more broadly. You know, state and local government and law enforcement needs to step up, but so does the federal government. That's why I've appointed the leadership of the Justice Department that I have, that is fully committed to restoring trust between law enforcement and the community they are sworn to serve and protect. I have complete confidence in the Attorney General, General Garland's leadership and commitment. I've also nominated two key Justice Department nominees, Vanita Gupta and Kristen Clark, who are eminently qualified, highly respected lawyers who have spent their entire careers fighting to advance racial equity and justice. Vanita and Kristen have the experience and the skill necessary to advance our administration's priorities to root out unconstitutional policing and reform our criminal justice system. And they deserve to be confirmed. We also need Congress to act. George Floyd was murdered almost a year ago. There's meaningful police reform legislation in his name. You just heard the Vice President speak of it. She helped write it. Legislation to tackle systemic misconduct in police departments, 
to restore trust between law enforcement and the people they're entrusted to serve and protect. But it shouldn't take a whole year to get this done. In my conversations with the Floyd family, I spoke to them again today, I assure them we're going to continue to fight for the passage of the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act so we can, I can sign the law as quickly as possible. There's more to do. Finally, it's the work we do every day to change hearts and minds as well as laws and policies. That's the work we have to do. Only then will full justice and full equality be delivered to all Americans. And that's what I just discussed with the Floyd family. The guilty verdict does not bring back George. But through the family's pain, they're finding purpose. So George, George's legacy will not be just about his death, but about what we must do in his memory. I also spoke to Gianna, George loves George's young daughter again. When I met her last year, I've said this before, at George's funeral, I told her how brave I thought she was. And I sort of knelt down to hold her hand. I said, Daddy's looking down on you. He's so proud. She said to me then, I'll never forget it, Daddy changed the world. Well, I told her this afternoon, Daddy did change the world. Let that be his legacy a legacy of peace, not violence, of justice. Peaceful expression of that legacy are inevitable and appropriate, but violent protest is not. And there are those who will seek to exploit the raw emotions of the moment, agitators and extremists who have no interest in social justice, who seek to carry out violence, destroy property, fan the flames of hate and division, going to do everything in their power to stop this country's march toward racial justice. We can't let them succeed. This is a time for this country to come together, to unite as Americans. There can never be any safe harbor for hate in America. I've said it many times. The battle for soul of this nation has been a constant push and pull for more than 240 years. A tug of war between the American ideal that we're all created equal and the harsh reality that racism has long torn us apart. At our best, the American ideal wins out. So we can't leave this moment or look away thinking our work is done. We have to look at it, we have to, we have to look as, as we did for those nine minutes and 29 seconds. We have to listen. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Those are George Floyd's last words. We can't let those words die with him. We have to keep hearing those words. We must not turn away. We can't turn away. We have a chance to begin to change the trajectory in this country. It's my hope and prayer that we live up to the legacy. May God bless you, and may God bless the George Floyd and his family. Thank you for taking the time to be here. This can be a moment of significant change. Thank you.
Live from the White House, President Biden, who said what the jury decided today was the murder of George Floyd, ripped the blinders off for the whole world to see the systemic racism that he called a stain on the nation's soul. He called the conviction of former police officer Derek Chauvin a step forward. He said the conviction of a police officer is too rare in America, and he commended the testimony of Chauvin's fellow officers instead of their closing ranks. Biden noted the honorable service of most police officers while calling for change so black and brown people do not fear interactions with law enforcement. Vice President Harris said a measure of justice isn't the same as equal justice. She called for police reform and the passage of a bill named for George Floyd. ABC News White House correspondent Karen Travers is with us. Karen. Aaron, the president, as he has in the past, called it a murder, the murder of George Floyd, he said, in the full light of day. And he said that it launched a summer of protests that we haven't seen in this country in decades. But he talked about the pain and the exhaustion that he says black and brown Americans experience every single day in this country. But what happened last year in Minneapolis, he said, united united people of every race and generation, that people gathered together to say enough, enough of these senseless killings. The president, as you mentioned, called this a step forward, and, and he says he hopes that this moment could be a giant step forward for justice in America. But he said things have to be done and that there is action that state and local law enforcement agencies and governments need to do to step up. But he said so does the federal government. And like Vice President Harris, he, he called for Congress to move forward on the George Floyd Act. And, and Aaron, this is legislation that Harris herself, when she was still a senator, uh, was a co-sponsor on last year in the wake of George Floyd's death. The legislation would ban chokeholds and no-knock warrants. It would also mandate that deadly force by law enforcement be used only as a last resort. It would mandate training on racial and religious profiling by law enforcement at the federal, state, and local levels. And, and you know, Republicans have pushed back on this legislation, saying it would weaken law enforcement, that it could put officers at risk. But this has certainly been a big clamoring by Democrats. And I think we'll see now if uh, the president's call for this tonight and the vice president's call for this to go forward, uh, whether there's anything that is now done. Because I think the president was reflecting on the moment that the nation had last year and that uniting moment and, and the moment that the nation felt over the last couple of weeks watching the incredible testimony from witnesses, feeling that shared pain as the country reflected on what happened last May. But now this is a call for action from the, the president and from the administration that this can't just be a moment that we reflect upon, but now this has to be something that can be used to make sure that George Floyd did not die in vain. ABC News White House correspondent Karen Travers, as President Biden and Vice President Harris react to the verdict in Minneapolis today, the conviction is charged of former police officer Derek Chauvin. I want to turn to ABC News law enforcement contributor, the former chief of detectives at the NYPD, uh, Chief Robert Boyce. Uh, chief, you heard the, the, the president call for uh, police reform, the vice president as well. Uh, the, the police are going to have to be part of this conversation how are they likely to react to all of this? Good evening, Aaron. Good to be with you. I, I see this as, as a change, changing point right now. I see different uh, standards across the nation changed. De-escalation training mandated, abolishing neck restraints, which not all the police departments have, which should. Recognition of mentally challenged individuals. Immediate actions to persons in the throes of opi opioid addiction. And probably most importantly that I've seen from my time, 
officers stepping in and stopping fellow officers when they react negatively in apprehension efforts. This, this incident scarred the nation and has stained the reputation of law enforcement has, uh, across the country. And ironically, everyone I've spoken to, no matter what police agency I've spoken to, were repulsed by this incident. This incident. So I see changes um, across the nation. I see it happening in this city. And, I, I, and this past year has probably been the most difficult year that anybody's experienced wearing a, uh, wearing a gun uh, and shield. So I'm hoping for this some resolution to go forward. I'm not looking for closure, but a step towards that. That's what I think was important, and I agree with the president. This has to happen. Chief Robert Boyce, the former chief of detectives at the NYPD on the conviction of Derek Chauvin. Chief, there were very few officers that you could find to support what Chauvin was seen on video doing. But the conviction of a police officer, as the president noted, is rare, and and Americans are accustomed to departments closing ranks. Does this change that? Uh, no, I, I I don't think that's, um, that that anybody. I, I saw Chief Arandano. I think he spoke for police officers across the country, not not only of his own police department, but across the country. This is not our beliefs. This is not how we act. So that initial um, video, that's an optic that no one will ever forget. At least I won't. Uh, it's it's indefensible. So I see changes. He's talking about police, uh, the blue wall of silence. If he's hinting at that, this goes well beyond that. Now, um, the thing about police officers is this. You're in the street every day. You're seeing how inequitable society is in education and housing, employment. You know what's going on. So it's difficult to do your job and notice that and not have empathy for those who are, who are, on, the, who are on the backside of the things. So I see a change. Um, I agree with a lot of what he had to say, the president, this evening. And I think leadership is needed to get this thing done. Chief, our thanks to you. Chief Robert Boyce, the retired chief of detectives from the NYPD. And I want to turn back to Minneapolis when Brian Buckmeyer, who's with us from the the Law and Crime Network and an ABC News contributor. Uh, Brian, we did not hear from the jury, but was it the video? What moved them toward this conviction? I would agree with the prosecution that this case was all about the video. Yeah, Dr. Tobin was great that Irish accent and explaining things in a, in a very um, complete and, and, and digestible way. Um, having the chief and so many high-ranking officers come up and, and really distinguish himself um, from Derek Chauvin. But at the end of the day, this was about a video. This was about, and I think at the end of the day, the real hero of this all uh, is Donald Williams and and Genevieve Hampton, the ones who videotaped this, they didn't choose to be a part of this trial. It's almost like the trial chose them. And but for the video, but for having someone with medical expertise, but for having someone with use of force expertise, to be able to speak truth to justice at the time that this happened, that Derek Chauvin murdered um, George Floyd and also testified to it, is huge. Brian Buckmeyer, uh, an ABC News contributor and our colleague from the Law and Crime Network on the conviction of Derek Chauvin, the former Minneapolis police officer who had been charged in the death of George Floyd, guilty of murder and manslaughter to be sentenced about two months from now. Stay with us. We're going to return to the streets of Minneapolis. A crowd is still celebrating this verdict. I'm Aaron Katursky, and you're listening to an ABC News special. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. 
And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. People who disappear without a trace. Where is she? The most notorious murder cases in New York. Pure evil. And the most devious killers. There's a Hannibal Lecter feel to him. For chilling true crime stories, follow the True Crime NYC podcast wherever you listen. As in previous campaigns, it's the economy, stupid. We'll be looking at that this morning. First, though, it's the news, stupid. It is the economy, stupid. It's not the economy, stupid. It's national security, stupid. It's the hair, stupid. In 1992, one of the best-known pieces of presidential campaign wisdom was born. It's the economy, stupid. But was it actually the economy that won Bill Clinton that election? In a new series from the 538 Politics podcast, we're taking a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from, and does it hold up today? Find the Campaign Throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to an ABC News special, The Death of George Floyd, The Derek Chauvin Trial. Once again, here is ABC News correspondent Aaron Katursky. Former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin has been convicted of murdering George Floyd 11 months ago something that sparked a protest movement for racial justice. And we heard from the Attorney General of Minnesota, Keith Ellison, the lead prosecutor, that movement would continue. I would not call today's verdict justice, however, because justice implies true restoration. But it is accountability, which is the first step towards justice. Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison moments after the verdict was read by Peter Cahill, the judge in Hennepin County who had presided over the three-week trial of Derek Chauvin. His bail was revoked. He was led away in handcuffs. He will be formally sentenced about two months from now. ABC's Mark Remillard joins us from the streets of Minneapolis where there has been celebration for the last several hours since that verdict was read. Mark? Yeah, Aaron, uh, the crowd's thinning out a little bit here out front of the courthouse, but there are still people uh, drumming out here. There's still signs and flags waving. Uh, there's still someone cooking barbecue out here. So a very festive atmosphere. But uh, I do think about uh, what uh, we heard about 10 minutes before the verdict was read. Uh, one of the guys who grabbed the megaphone out here was telling to this crowd of hundreds of people that had gathered to hear the verdict, had said in 10 minutes you're going to witness history. And I think, you know, just hearkening back to what Biden said here, that this could be a giant step forward, as Biden says, in the march toward justice in America. And I think that that is a large part of what the sigh of relief that occurred today. But I think what is being kept in mind here is that this city, this county, this state, this country has been dealing with this for 11 months since George Floyd died. We still have the sentencing to get through for Derek Chauvin and three other officers who are facing charges in aiding and abetting the charges that Derek Chauvin has been found guilty of. 
in Minneapolis and the nation will be living with this case for some time, not to mention the funeral two days from now of Dante Wright, the young motorist who was shot and killed by police uh, in a Minneapolis suburb. And so, as the, the Attorney General of Minnesota noted, the, the fight for racial justice continues. Uh, Robert DiCello joins us. He's a trial lawyer who represents uh, victims of police abuse and, and maintains a practice focused on, on these kinds of reforms. What is possible, uh, Robert, after the, the verdict that we witnessed today? Aaron, good evening. Uh, what's, what's possible? Well, I'll tell you. If you would have said to me uh, two years ago, that I'd be on the air with you talking about a case like this. I'd, I'd say uh, someone's, you know, someone's hallucinating, and this is this is all a dream. Uh, for civil rights across the country, it cannot be overstated. This is the biggest event in modern history for the civil rights movement, where which began, if you can remember, and just just go back to the days that we've seen in, in black and white film of dogs chasing people and hoses being used on protesters and Martin Luther King and then warping ahead some 30 years to Rodney King. And and so we it continued until today where we got the very first um, moment of accountability. And that accountability has, has formed a cornerstone against which all future policy discussions, legal discussions, and um, reform discussions will take place. It's 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 an unbelievable day today. Unbelievable. It, even the president of the United States noted a short while ago that a conviction of a police officer is much too rare, uh, and 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 most families do not see the the kind of outcome that the Floyd family is seeing. Does that begin to change as a result of this? I you know what, Aaron? Great question, and I and I I say that because. I have, as a former prosecutor and criminal defense lawyer and civil rights lawyer, trial lawyer, I've been in all three positions on this. Um, I've prosecuted uh, bad guys and I've defended uh, a few, and never once were they a police officer when I was defending. As a civil rights lawyer, a trial lawyer, I constantly encounter police officers who, um, you know, are, are alleged to have done bad things. So. With this verdict, I'm telling you, it's going to change the dynamics, both in terms of how police departments proceed, and there's good and bad to that. You know, I've talked to some officers. I'm friends with law enforcement. I've got friends in that world, and they're concerned. You know, how do I how do I enforce the law? How do I use lethal force without showing up on TV? This is a real concern. On the other hand, we've got the conversation that we're having today, which is celebration conversation of joy and celebration for what's taken place, a conversation that says finally people who are less fortunate and who are largely underrepresented have, have found a day of, of, of justice. So um, the conversations are going to start. This case will be the impetus to all of that work that's yet to come, to come forward. And it's my earnest hope that we see both sides, law enforcement and the civilians who are needing them, come together and make those reforms that need to be made. We're speaking with Robert DiCello, a trial attorney, somebody who represents victims of police abuse. And you noted you were, uh, and I neglected to mention at the outset, a former prosecutor. We just received a statement from Attorney General Merrick Garland on the verdict in the Chauvin trial. And, and he notes that the Justice Department has a, an ongoing federal civil rights investigation into the death of George Floyd. Do you believe federal charges are warranted here? 
I I don't know. I mean, you know that what a great what a great talking point in that we can we can imagine them to be there. Um, you know, I'm calling you and talking to you now from Cleveland, Ohio, and so we had that very same thing happen under Eric Holder when Trayvon Martin uh, and Tamir Rice uh, were were popular and, and being talked about as cases. And when Tamir Rice's case came up, the young 12-year-old boy who was shot by Cleveland police, an investigation ensued. No charges filed. This case, though, of George Floyd's death and the Derek Chauvin prosecution may change the reaction to the, that happens at the DOJ at the you know at that level, and they may do some prosecuting of 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 the um, of the department. Although I I don't find it likely because the prosecution itself of Chauvin solves a lot of the, I think the immediate problems, but if they find rampant wrongdoing with the training, there could be more to come. Our thanks to Robert DiCello, a trial attorney, joining us from Ohio, former prosecutor as well, reacting, uh, as we all are, uh, taking it in, the the verdict in the case against Derek Chauvin, who was convicted as charged murdering George Floyd 11 months ago. And this convulsive moment is an end for some, a beginning for others. Uh, but as, as his brother Felonius said today, we can breathe again after Derek Chauvin was convicted in Minneapolis by a jury after about 10 hours of deliberations. We're going to return to the streets of Minneapolis and get reaction from elsewhere in the country. I'm Aaron Katursky. You're listening to an ABC News special. You're listening to an ABC News special. The death of George Floyd, the Derek Chauvin trial. Once again, here is ABC News correspondent Aaron Katursky. What a day to be a Floyd, George Floyd's brother Terrence said after the murder conviction of former police officer Derek Chauvin, who had knelt on George Floyd 11 months ago in Minneapolis. And Floyd's brother Philonis said justice for his brother means freedom for all. We have to march. We will have to do this for life. We have to protest because it seems like this is a never-ending cycle. A never-ending cycle, the words of Philonis Floyd, the brother of George Floyd, who had testified during the trial about the character of his brother as part of a three weeks of testimony that ultimately led to the conviction of Derek Chauvin. Earlier today, ABC's Mark Remillard covered the trial. He joins us from Minneapolis. Mark, you're there in a jubilant crowd, but before the, the crowd was jubilant, there was fury in the streets of Minneapolis over Floyd's death. Uh, is, is there any, anyone talking about the, the, the sheer difference in tone tonight? Yeah, I think it's evident the difference. Um, you know, there is a lot of relief in the crowd today uh, that 11 months later, the man that they, you know, the world witnessed murder George Floyd has been convicted of that murder uh, and guilty across the board. I think is significant. As I'm standing out front of the courthouse here, the lawn where the, the, the crowd, hundreds of people had gathered, really cleared out. But it's because the crowd went on a march. And they have now circled back around and coming back down the side of the courthouse. And there are thousands of people in the streets right now. The flag's waving, Black Lives Matter, led by a car who's leading the chance of calls for justice and and calls for more change uh, in policing in America and the relationship with black Americans particularly, which is such a central part of this case. And it was such a central part of 
this whole trial as we watched in the jury selection, you know, being out here at times for the last several weeks. From jury selection to the makeup of that jury, everything was significant here. And, and at the very center of this was this issue of a white police officer kneeling on the neck of, of a black man. The jury was was mixed, uh, racially mixed, uh, balance in, in terms of, of gender. And in the end, they didn't take very much time to deliberate, apparently sure of themselves. Just 10 hours of deliberations over two days. Mark, in your estimation, what were the key moments of testimony that may have swayed the jury? Yeah, you know, I think uh, it, it did come down to, uh, you know, a lot of minds, you know, we, maybe we'll find out one day when we hear from these jurors potentially directly what moments impacted them and we'll get a better understanding. But I think that first week set the tone. The first week of testimony was emotional and taxing to watch every moment of that. It was that video of George Floyd was played over and over again from every different angle, from surveillance footage to this bystander video, every single one. And, and you heard this grueling testimony from the people who witnessed this, from a nine-year-old girl who saw this happen, uh, to the woman who filmed that encounter that the world has seen, the, the, the millions of times that, that one main video has been seen. And the scars that it left on them, it was so impactful to listen to that, to hear these people say, I wish I had could, could have done more. I feel guilty that I couldn't intervene. I had a cop standing in my way. I mean, I, you know, like I said, I think we'll perhaps one day understand better what, what did impact these jurors, truly impacted them. But that first week really set a very powerful tone and uh, an emotional tone for this trial and, and what this case was all about. Yeah, indeed, the crowd was cited by by both sides. Prosecutors talked uh, about the, the the courage of what it took for people to to pull out their their phones because if not for the recordings of bystanders, we might only gauge this by the official police report, which didn't say much considering what we all know. The defense tried to portray the crowd as as disruptive and and maybe a reason for Derek Chauvin's actions that day. Yeah, it's a bit of a sobering thought a little bit here to think about uh, these, these what, as I was saying earlier, uh, this crowd out here and, and the guy who was on the megaphone ahead of time saying you're about to witness history, to think how much different this could have been had those bystanders not recorded this video. Uh, that video, as the prosecution said in their closing arguments, believe your eyes. It was such a central piece of this, uh, this case. And so, um, you know, that was so impactful to watch that video over and over again, and, the, and they played it for the jury over and over again. We saw it repeatedly, and the brother of George Floyd, Philonis Floyd, said it's like the whole country was watching it all the time, like, like a motion picture, like a movie. And now it has resulted in the conviction of Derek Chauvin by a jury that agreed with prosecutors that they could believe their eyes, that what they saw, the kneeling on the neck, was the act that murdered George Floyd. We'll return to the streets of Minneapolis and check in elsewhere in the country tonight. Stay with us. I'm Aaron Katursky, and you're listening to an ABC News special. You're listening to an ABC News special. The death of George Floyd, the Derek Chauvin trial. Once again, here is ABC News correspondent Aaron Katursky. The nation waited with bated breath today for a Minneapolis jury's verdict. It came when Judge Peter Cahill read it aloud. 
We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to count one, unintentional second-degree murder while committing a felony, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021, at 1.44 p.m. That guilty verdict repeated twice more as former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin was convicted as charged murder and manslaughter. He will be sentenced two months from now. There was a jubilant reaction from the crowd outside the Hennepin County Courthouse and from Floyd family attorney Benjamin Crump. We frame this moment for all of us, not just for George Floyd. This is a victory for those who champion humanity over inhumanity. Ben Crump called it. A better country today. America is a better country today, he said, because of the verdict rendered in Minneapolis over the death of George Floyd. And ABC's Mark Remillard is still there in Minneapolis with that crowd that is still celebrating. Mark? Yeah, Aaron, uh, the crowd basically returned uh, for a while. It had thinned out here in front of the courthouse. They went on a march, and they came back around. Now they're back out front of the courthouse. Uh, uh, the sea of people in the street right now, the horns are honking, the signs are waving, the flags are waving, uh, and you can hear people on a megaphone uh, uh, speaking to this crowd right now. So in, in sense, the energy hasn't really uh, died down at all. Uh, it's just moved and come back. Mark Remillard, any sign uh, of that the crowd is is turning in mood from from its its celebratory atmosphere? That the, the police were certainly worried about that. Yeah, I think you know prior to the verdict, you had this these you know very forceful megaphone empowered calls for justice, and I think you're seeing those again. I think in the immediate aftermath of the verdict, it was celebration. It was we we got the verdict we wanted, and we got the verdict that was needed. And now I think you're seeing a little more of that, uh, you know, forceful calls for further justice and further change. And I think as we've discussed, right, that the, there's this has been a lot of months coming here, uh, coming to this point. But there's still so much more to go that there's still the sentencing. There's still the other officers, but there's still a bigger issue in many of these people's minds here with policing in America that needs to be addressed. ABC's Mark Remillard live from Minneapolis, uh, just one city of many that had braced for this verdict. ABC's Alex Stone joins us from Los Angeles. Any sign of unrest, Alex? No, nothing here tonight, Aaron. It is beautifully quiet right now, being that uh, almost a year ago when Floyd was killed, these streets outside of LAPD headquarters in City Hall in L.A., they were filled with crowds and tear gas and National Guard troops and looting going on. None of that here tonight. Still a lot of worry. Cities are on high alert here tonight. But as of right now, it is quiet. ABC's Alex Stone from Los Angeles. A milestone in the fraught racial history of the United States. A rebuke of law enforcement's treatment of black Americans. Derek Chauvin convicted of murdering George Floyd. I'm Aaron Katursky. You've been listening to a special presentation from ABC News. As in previous campaigns, it's the economy, stupid. We'll be looking at that this morning. First, though, it's the news, stupid. It is the economy, stupid. It's not the economy, stupid. It's national security, stupid. It's the hair, stupid. In 1992, one of the best-known pieces of presidential campaign wisdom was born. It's the economy, stupid. But was it actually the economy that won Bill Clinton that election? In a new series from the 538 Politics podcast, we're taking a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from, and does it hold up today? 
Find the Campaign Throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts.